Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Football Club Pod. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Welcome to another episode of the pod. I'm Dim, deputising for Milan, and today I'm here with Jayan, and we're going to be looking at the Champions League fixtures from last night, the PSG Barcelona and Liverpool RB Leipzig games. And we're just going to be also having a look at the Premier League fixtures on the weekend. Well, a select few of them anyway. Jayan, how you doing, mate? I'm all right. Yeah, same old, same old. Can't wait to talk about this week's pod. Oh, yeah, it was a great, great night in the Champions League last yesterday. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So we'll start off with the Barcelona PSG game. Give us your thoughts. I mean, Mbappe on fire. Yeah. You know, Neymar not playing to that team, you know, Mbappe is really showing that he is the top dog. You know, that team goes, they were different gravy yesterday. I never I think I've seen a PSG team like that, especially on attack. Even when United played them a couple of times, uh, I feel like both games we should have, first game we won, we deserved to win it. Second game, we should have won again. Um, obviously, descending off fucked us over. We went down to 10 men and then that's when they scored. But there weren't anything at all. You know, there was nothing special about them. And the, and the reason being, if you ever watch PSP, PSG play, especially under Tuchel, obviously now on the pot, it's different. Um, the, everything used to run through Neymar. So, you know, the ball has to go through Neymar. I don't know whether it's in his contract or not. Fucking hell, bro. It just literally goes to his feet every single time. Even if someone's out wide free, they have to pass it through Neymar. And then Neymar will do that pass, you know, to the other guy. So it's just quite simply, for the, especially the big teams, easy to block out, you know, because Neymar is very hit and miss in the big games. Um, obviously, with under Barcelona, he was, um, you know, emphatic under with that trio of Suarez, Messi. But that was, that's different. You know, now with PSG... Everything runs through him. You know, there's a lot of pressure on him to kind of perform, especially in big games. But I think yesterday, um, Mbappe showed, you know, he is a top dog. And I think he kind of blew Europe a light that same same, uh, same game as well, that saying, like, look, I'm still about, you know, uh, don't, don't be there forgetting about me. Because you don't really hear much Mbappe talk, apart from obviously the transfer rumours that I think have been lingering around recently. But in terms of his performance, you know, you don't, no one really talks about it. And it's probably because they're playing the so-called Farmers League. Um, he's got one year left. I think, you know, see what happens, where he kind of goes. And then Barcelona, they're just, I think you mentioned it yesterday, they just washed absolute shit. You know, I think there's a downward, massive downward spiral there at Barcelona. I think I read this tweet where they're massively in debt. Um, huge wage structure, spent big boy money on some players. You know, Griezmann being one, Dembele being another. You know, they've got such an abundance of players there. I'll be honest with you, it probably would have made sense for them if they had sold Messi last uh, on the summer. If they had sold him, firstly, offloading his wages, he's 34 years old. I think the price figure around then was, was something ridiculous. I think 90 million or something. You know, well, you can say it's ridiculous or not, but for someone who's 34, 90 million, yeah, and offloading half a mil a week off your uh, salary, off your wage bill, that's huge. You know, they should have been a bit ballsy and taken that. 
I think that's where there's a huge difference between Barcelona and Real Madrid. Um, obviously, Ronaldo shifted on, whether Ronaldo wanted to or whether it was a mutually uh, exclusive kind of um, decision by the club and him to move on. But Real Madrid got their money, wage bill offloaded, you know, and they've kind of, obviously, the transition was going to happen regardless. These are the greatest players of football of all time. It's not going to be easy transition, you know, these type of players in and out. Yeah, I think these seasons have kind of tainted Messi slightly. You know, we saw on the weekend, he just came out with a blinder of a goal. Um, but I think yesterday, it just showed how dreary this Barcelona team is. You know, they've got still got Sergio Busquets in there. They've got Gerard Piquet in defence, who's slow. And Mbappe really, 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 really exposed the lack of pace in that team, for one. And I think in midfield, they had uh, Pedri, Frankie de Jong and Busquets in the midfield. And I'll be honest, that spine, it doesn't really indicate to us that, you know, they're about something. They've got a little bit of pace, energy, if that makes sense. You've got two kind of deep-lying mid, uh, midfielders who are sort of playmakers slash defensive midfielders. And then you've got Pedri, uh, who isn't the best by any stretch of the imagination. You've got Jordi Alba, who's passed it. Serginho Dest, decent, but not quite cutting it for me. And then you just look at Messi in that that team. You know, he's missing Suarez. He's missing Suarez's goals. There's a heavy uh, reliance on Messi to get the goals. Griezmann definitely isn't performing to what he should be playing. Um given the, the price tag that Barcelona paid for him. But I think a massive, massive credit needs to go to the likes of Marco Verratti yesterday. You know, there were a lot of critics of his in the past season or two, and he really came to the forefront yesterday, particularly. Mbappe, again, just lit that place apart. You know, we, we, we know. But what my comparison would be to Ronaldo is Ronaldo is now playing in a team which is also surrounded by stars that are willing to pick up the weight. So it's not necessarily relying on him. Whereas Messi seems to have been left behind. I don't know what, what you think about that. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with that because um, that Juventus team is still dead. You know, there's no one there picking up the goals. If you look at, goal distribution in that club or in that team you know Ronaldo's clears it all the time whether in the big games who scores the goals Ronaldo but, but you've got you've got these supporting characters that are no quick. one chips their weight in that in that team I think I think with Juve though they've got the likes of Dybala they've got yeah, Bernadeschi who comes in here and there I think it's a lot better than what the situation is at Barcelona that's what that's the point I'm trying to make I think that's because of the management and the, the upper management that they've got at the moment in terms of the board. You know, that's just all shit. There's nothing right going on in that club. It's just all toxic. For them to pick one, they went through two managers in one season. You know, one manager that was top of the league, that was playing a shit brand of football, but he was top of the league. He was top by like five, six points. I don't really break Koeman, to be fair, coming in. He's not really got Absolute a shit. brilliant doesn't make no sense. managerial record. It makes no though. sense. It's no sense bringing him in. They've brought in, they've brought in this random guy before from bloody South America. No one knew where the hell this guy came from. He, had, he got the job. 
this other guy got the job. So it's Tata Martino, isn't it? They they brought in and then got yeah, rid of him. And then and Valverde. Got rid of him, and then obviously the football was shit. And then um, now obviously they got uh, Ronan uh, Coleman in, but it, none of this makes sense. You know why are they bringing in these type of managers? They they have no proven record, track record, or nothing. Kuman was a um, Everton played underwhelming yeah. football. Southampton still, wasn't all that really. They played decent football, but not world beaters. A flop, a flop out all of them. I'd say he's not. He's not been su- successful at any. I think he was he at um, Netherlands for a period as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, it just reminds yeah, me of. It just reminds me of you know in the corporate world you get a big director and he brings his son who's got no experience of working in uh, <laughs> the corporate world. It's like nepotism, basically, and yeah, yeah, similar sure. similar case for Kuman, I guess. Yeah, yeah legend. Yeah, that's that's it. He's just relying on his um, experience, you know, or his kind of name or repertoire as a as a player to kind of get himself around. But it's absolutely stupid, you know. If you if you look at if you're going to compare both the squads of Barcelona and Juventus, um, no, yeah, Barcelona and Juventus, Barcelona have got a fucking emphatic team. You know, you look at that. That squad, bro. Look at their attack. They got Triancao, they got Fatih, they got Pedri, they got Messi, they got Griezmann, uh, they got Dembele. On paper, amazing, on paper, that amazing attack. Yeah, but Ansu Fati was carrying them at the start of the season. He's 18 years old. That just shows that the rest of the boys weren't cutting the weight. Yeah, but again, they've still spent 400 million worth of on attack. You know, they've got, got Coutinho, good they got Coutinho in there as well. Yeah, exactly. They got Coutinho. They got Frankie De Jong that they spent big boy money from. Uh, Ajax, you know, Pjanic, they've done some dodgy deals. He was on, he was on the bench there. Yeah, and he's exactly, Pjanic is on the bench. Why is he on the bench? You're playing a, a 40-year-old Busquets. They don't play Ricky Puke. He's coming from the, um, as Joe Cole says, uh, the masala. <laughs> <laughs> you know, do you know what winds me up about the Ricky Puig, uh, Puig situation? Is that Kuban wants to get rid of him because he thinks he's a, uh, inverted commas, mole. In, in the dressing room, which I don't particularly agree with. I think he's come in and tried to stamp his authority with Messi, you know, saying that he doesn't, Messi doesn't make the decisions around here, which is a pretty ballsy move coming in to Barcelona and kind of doing that as your first kind of move. Surely you'd want someone like Messi on your side, first and foremost, to kind of trying to come in. But I just don't think that he's got that managerial kind of he's not of that caliber to come in and be like you you work for me kind of thing like if it was someone like Pep or Mourinho or Klopp fair dues if they want to say something like that you can't really say anything it's like a good good player like a wonderful player doesn't mean that they're going to be a great manager you look at Patrick Vieira wonderful player doing absolute cat as a manager and I think that's pretty much what has happened to Kuman. Don't rate him whatsoever. So I, I, I don't know where Barcelona go from here. I mean, they're going to have to either sell Messi, offload the rest of the squad as well, which, which are pretty aging, and just reinvest. They need a massive reform at that team. You know, um, the, the manager has to go. They need a manager that's going to come, who's going to clear out shit out of that team. Who's got the balls to clear out? You know that this guy's not in, this guy's out, and obviously there's been a name that's been lingering around for a while, and it's Xavi. You know, Xavi obviously he's in Saudi Arabia, I think, 
Um, he's got all his coaching badges. He was at the um, youth level of Barcelona. Um, he obviously understands the club. I think that's someone they need now, who understands the club, the brand of football, you know, what they want to play. And someone who's obviously come through the ranks. So he understands that, look, ultimately, XYZ's time are up. Um, it's time for the young young blood to come through. You know, and there's there's a lot of young players coming through. There's Mariba, you know, there's amazing talent coming into that from that Barcelona. If I was Barcelona, I'd trim that uh, wage budget or wage bill um, emphatically. You know, get rid of PK, get rid of Busquets. Sorry, you gotta go. Um, Dembele, you gotta go. Um, Griezmann, I'd probably keep him around because obviously I don't think Griezmann's really had a proper chance because he's always in and out of the team, yeah. gets shoved around wherever. You know, I don't think he's properly had a proper like running of games it's quite unfortunate for him they've paid big bucks for him as well um, Coutinho get rid of him you know sorry yeah you done okay at Bayern Munich but that Bayern Munich wasn't a different one I do think he he, he will regret leaving Liverpool like I know yeah yeah of course that 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 period obviously for him he went and won he did win the Champions League uh, yeah. last season with Bayern Munich so obviously got I think they won the treble, so fair play, whatever. But these these type of Brazilians, you know, in terms of their career span, they're not really that long, are they? Mm. Uh, they do tend to have around the 28, 29-year mark. That's it. You know, they kind of dip off massively. And there's obviously a lot of factors. So I think the physicality thing is, is huge. But what a job Pochettino's done at PSG, though. Yeah, I although, think although, although you know, it's kind of expected with the squad he has, you yeah. know, with the likes of Moyes Keane, who's bagged 14 goals this season. Uh, credit to Tuchel as well for playing them as well. But, um, you know, you've got these fringe players as well coming in and d- doing a job. I think he's kind of proven people like Duncan Ferguson uh, wrong at Everton, who dragged him off after 18 minutes. But, you know, I think with PSG, the key, the key for them really was the fact that they won so well without Neymar, and I think they looked a whole lot more direct in comparison to what they would do with Neymar. I know you mentioned everything goes through Neymar, and he has to have like a couple of touches on the ball, play around with it, and then play the pass. And by the time then, it's probably a little bit too late. I mean, he might want to beat a couple of players, but I think. With with him out of the team, they can solely rely on pace. And I think with Mbappe, Keane, you know, Mbappe is probably the only one really, uh, apart from Keane, that um, would inject a little bit of pace. But boy, that guy is on, uh, he, he's another level, man. Disgusting. Yeah, you forget he's only like 22 years old. You know, no one touches him, Mbappe. You know, there's all these kind of things rooming around on like social media, Holland, 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 because Obviously, Haaland plays in a better league. I think there has been games, especially in Champions League, where he has turned up. And obviously, Mbappe hasn't until yesterday. So, you know, Mbappe showed that, look, I'm ready to take the crown. Yeah, I think there was a passing of the guard, so to to speak, um, from, you know, the likes of Messi to Mm. Mbappe now. I mean, yesterday was the clearest example of it. Of course, of course. You know, I think... Yeah, but yeah, that Barcelona team's got a lot of work to do. I don't know what happens there. You know, I think they've got to make a ballsy decision and um, shift a lot of players on. But then they need a manager that who can do that. 
you know, who's going to come in and make those decisions and shift people on. Think about it. Some of these guys have been there for like 15, 16 years. You know, yeah, if you brought Xavi in, he would have played with most of those. That, that exactly. exactly. And he's probably there thinking, bloody hell, man. No wonder we're shit. You know, you guys are still here. <laughs> All right. So let, let's move on to the next game that happened last night. RB Leipzig versus Liverpool. You know, I was expecting it to be a really, really tough game for us, actually, in in all respects, given our um, our recent form. You know, we haven't really been performing very well uh, over the past month, month and a half, even two months, really. It's been quite underwhelming. So I think yesterday was a much, much needed win. Yeah, definitely. It was... I, I A lot of people that I was speaking to, I said Liverpool win, watch. You know, when it when it comes down to stepping up and stuff, I think Liverpool still have that kind of um, that drive and that ambition within the players. You know, to make sure that job gets done. Leipzig are under. You know, everyone gasses up um, Julian uh, Angelsman and says like, you know, he's the next best thing in Europe in terms of management, you know, coaching. Um, I think he's a good coach. Obviously, there's a lot of names and rumours linking around him around the United job. I personally, I don't know. I I I wouldn't want him. I don't think, um, especially in the big games. You know, he's never really proven anything. Um, obviously, they beat United, but I think the reason why they beat us at their pitch is was because uh, Oli fucked it up tactically. You know, if you remember the first game, we beat him five nil. Five nil, we bloody beat him. You know, in the second game, you went and played a five back. Why would you play a five back? You beat him five nil with a four back, and then you go and change it. You went really like defensive, played a five back. Obviously, they beat us three two in the end. You know, it wasn't like, emphatically destroyed or something. It was just three two, and obviously in that game, it was a lot of individual mistakes. Um, but again, Liverpool that that game yesterday hit the post. Dani Olmo at the start. Other than that, it's absolute shit. You know, there was nothing to show for it. Absolute shit. It's like they've not seen Liverpool play. There was nothing off it. And if you think about it, they were the informed team. You know, they had some crazy form coming into that game and they flopped. They didn't look like the semi-finalists from last season, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Playing with that false nine. But I think we did really well in terms of controlling the tempo of the game. Kabak and Henderson both were solid at the back. Special shout out to Kabak, actually, who made his European debut for us. 20 years old and apart from his mistake against Leicester on the weekend I don't think he's been that bad at all yesterday he was brilliant and I think yesterday our midfield as well um, really really controlled the tempo controlled the game really Um, Curtis Jones for his age unbelievable player He's shown so much maturity in, in the last 12 to 18 months. He's come leaps and bounds. And yesterday was probably one of his best performances in, in the shirt. Um, Alden consistent as usual, um, back to his old self. Um, Thiago also played well, although um, he kept almost kept up his record of getting booked in the first minute, um, which was a bit of a negative. Um, you know, there's a lot of people uh, claiming that all he does in the game is give a little thumbs up and count how many times he does that. But yeah, I, I think we played really well on the front three. Um, again, back to their usual selves. And I think it started all with Klopp's press conference. Um, 
really just showing that, you know, we're going to give it a proper fight, act like champions, play like champions and really press, make the pitch small for Leipzig. And that's what pretty much happened uh, on the night. Yeah, I think it was very composed. Um, there wasn't really any crazy, emphatic, or amazing type of football from Liverpool. I think Liverpool just tried to, you know, um, get the job done. That was it. That was the key thing. You know, you've lost. You lost against Leicester, lost against Man City. So, obviously, this was a big game. So, you, ultimately, you just want to get the result. It doesn't matter how you do it. Um, you just need to get it done. Obviously, clean sheet was great. Obviously, with um, the recent kind of events surrounding um, the last couple of weeks in terms of Alisson and uh, back. even you, the point you made about Quebec last game I don't think that's Quebec's fault I think that's straight Allison's fault Allison's mm-hmm. kind of sprinting out about a good 20 yards you know he's just looking at the ball he's not made a shout you know he's not Quebec he literally just made a massive cock cock up for Quebec I think also why, on why, why side, on not really didn't really understand the system as well that you know we do play sometimes with a sweeper keeper but yeah yeah but right. still that's Quebec's got his back at that point facing the goal so unless Alisson comes and makes a scream and says mine or well obviously you can't say that but it says Alisson's or you know and then comes running forward then obviously Kobach can leave mm. but you know he's come flying out Kobach's literally there onto the ball and he's, you can just see Alisson he's just got eyes on the ball it's actually so bad he's been looking at it for 20 yards and then he's sliced it yeah, someone had that much concentration on the ball and he just sliced it. And I think yesterday, though, he kept us in the game. He made one really, really good save. Uh, I think it was Nkunku that was uh, through on goal, uh, beat Henderson for pace. And, you know, Alisson did the usual thing that he does, make himself look really big. There's many keepers who would have got rounded or lobbed in that situation or had the ball go under them, but he made himself really big and ended up winning the ball and then, yeah, released us on the counter-attack. I think another shout out for um, for Liverpool yesterday was Mo Salah. He was buzzing around, winning the ball. Uh, one notable thing I saw that I haven't really seen from him much in recent times is with him on his defensive duties, doubling up and helping out Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, we know that Angelino on the left-hand side for Leipzig likes to get forward. And he had a couple of opportunities to actually score yesterday and didn't take them. But he did really well doubling up on uh, Angelino and pretty much just shutting him out of the game. And going the other way, he was quite composed on the ball. There were times where the opposition defenders kind of dived in against him and he just kind of skipped past them. And then his goal was just, you know, when he was through on goal through the Sabitzer mistake, you, you kind of have your money on um, Salah to be, you know, burying those. Yeah, I think, you know, good signs. I think Liverpool just need to kind of um, grow from it now, you know. Um, I think those couple of games where, yeah, you did go win and then you went, you lost again and then you're about one step back. So I think you just need to kind of progress. I think at the moment, obviously your key players, I think it's just all about confidence for them. You know, Becker, mm. Alison Becker, confidence for him. Um, you know, I think Thiago is probably low on confidence. Yeah. Um, Salah, he's, he's probably low on confidence. You know, Mane, he looks low on confidence as well. Yeah, and these kind of things have a massive impact on how they play. You know, they, um, especially the attackers, you know, where they've got um, 
you're talking about seconds in terms of making a decision, in terms of skipping past the player or making a pass or even shooting, you know, they start double thinking. As soon as you start double thinking, you know, that's where they're, they're just not acting themselves. You know, a normal Mane would probably skip down the left, cut it in or whatever, you know, a normal Salah cuts in and shoots, you know, and you want to get them back on that scale. So I think at the moment, that's probably Klopp's biggest um, challenge, trying to get these boys re-motivated and going again. Obviously, one more thing, just pick up on. Um, I've always said this for a while. Um, Trent, even last season, obviously technically he's amazing. Everyone knows technically he's amazing. Um, I think it's still it's, it's absolute waste for him to play right back. I think he needs to move into centre mid. Um, obviously, you've got players that are leaving now. So one of them looks like he's gone. Naby Keita doesn't look like he cuts a mustard. Um, you've got Fabinho, and then you've got Henderson, and obviously you've got Thiago. So. Obviously, Curtis Jones can play there, but I think it's absolutely no-brainer, you know, uh, Trent playing there. And obviously, we all know defensively he's not great. So, believe him off that. Go get a proper right back, you know, that can do that. Play him in the middle. Technically, he's amazing. Everyone knows, you know, what he can do and what he can't do. You've seen it with Kimmich. You know, Kimmich was being flogged around, like, DM to right back to left back. And now he's like, they've put him into centre mid. And Kimmich is there banging goals. You know, he's banging goals. And we've seen Trent last year. He's getting a handful of assists on goals. You know, and it's crazy amount for a bloody fullback. Mm. So, you know, I think that transition is one I'd like to see happen. Whether it happens or not, I don't know. It's it's a very ballsy move to do. It requires, a, a you know, the right coach and, you know, manager to do that. So, and, you know, you, you'll see with the intentions if Klopp went, goes and buys a right back in the summer, um, a really, really good one, world class. Uh, you can see the intentions there. You know, maybe him shifting him into. I think he he did joke about it once. You know, about him playing him CM. I think when he kept getting all the assists and stuff. Um, so. You know, I think it's a shout. Yeah, Definitely I think I think it's the way forward for him. He's twenty, he's twenty two, like twenty three. I think defensively, we know that he's not great. Um, technically, going forward, he's amazing. In the middle, you've got less kind of positional in terms of obviously the problem with him is that centre back and right back, you know, in terms of communication, the line, how he organises himself. Uh, but when you come into the middle, he's gonna have the likes of Henderson there, Fabinho there, whoever it is. I do think uh, he's maybe. a lot better when it's when he's alongside uh, Joe Gomez and Van Dyke. Um yeah, of course but yeah, I think I think the key is the fact that there isn't many top class right backs available to bring in. That's probably the biggest uh, concern. And also the fact that in the midfield, you know, uh, one Alden's leaving, but when Fabinho comes back into the centre midfield, um, who are you going to take out out of Henderson, Fabinho and Thiago? Now, unless you want to rotate them, which, which again could work, but you kind of want to have that equilibrium of them playing every single game week in week out kind of thing and you know really building up a partnership in midfield but i i see i see what people are saying in terms of you know the calls for him to play in center midfield like he's technically good enough strikes the ball well good range of passing quite pacey for a center midfielder as well but i just think that the fact that we don't have another right back we've got nico williams uh who is decent, but I don't really think he's, you know, a first choice right back, especially for someone like us. I mean, if he went to someone like uh, Burnley, he would be starting right back for them. But yeah, 
But I think yesterday's game was definitely a brilliant springboard for the weekend and really pushing to get a win against Everton. I know they're three points behind us, I think it is. So, you know, it, it will be a, a shout if we kind of beat them on the weekend. I know they're playing City tonight. Um, going to be a tough one for them. I, you know, I'm hoping for City win, obviously, because the, the league is done for us. But what are your thoughts going into that that Everton game and what would you what would your approach be if you were Klopp I think just take it how you normally take every game you know don't change anything around Everton they lost against um, Fulham Mm. absolute dog shit I think um, you guys have more than enough there to be on you know whether whether it's with um, a makeshift defence or not Um, you guys should win in my opinion, I think you will win. Um, they're going to have an element of fatigue coming into that game because obviously they're playing Man City. Man City are going to be, from what I've seen of the formation, I think um, Everton have gone with a five-back or a three-back, however you want to call it. So, you know, I think Everton have kind of already defeated in the sense that, look, Man City are going to have the ball. We're just going to sit. Um, it's going to be quite a tiring performance for them. And then they have to go again against Liverpool. You know, it's not it's not going to be easy. So I think they're going to be there for the taking. So it's obviously how you play it in the league. You know. I think Calvert-Lewin versus the centre-backs is going to be a real battle. Um, you know, he has got a bit of pace. I mean, he doesn't have as much pace as someone like Nkunku yesterday. And that will probably work in the Liverpool centre-backs' uh, favour. But I do think aerially we've got to watch out because we don't have Fabinho like we did uh, before. We obviously don't have... Um, Joe Gomez, who got injured after Van Dijk. Um, and obviously, we don't have Van Dijk to kind of uh, counter um, the, the aerial threat of um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But also having Richarlison play as well. Uh, seeing him up against Trent Alexander-Arnold, um, does it is slightly nervy, but given his performance yesterday against a pacey, tricky uh, winger... And um, striker as well, and Kunku was pulling off to that left hand side. I don't think he he'll have too much of an issue. I think he's finding his form now slowly. It's taken a bit of time, even against Leicester. We weren't too bad for 70, 70 odd minutes, seventy five minutes. It was just that kind of capitulation that we had, and that again, you said as you mentioned before, confidence is a big thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do think that we'll get the win, um, Touchwood, but. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be it'll be a it'll be a tough one, I think, for us. Uh, I think it's just about carrying the momentum from yesterday's win into the game and really just playing them off the park, really, and you know, pushing them and pressing them uh, and kind of make them make more mistakes. Because yesterday, the individual errors from RB Leipzig were enforced by Liverpool, so that would be an interesting one. So we mentioned City are playing tonight. Uh, against Everton, but they've got another massive game against Arsenal on the weekend. Arsenal have been in decent form, not not blistering, but again, uh, against Leeds, Aubameyang really showed up to the party and got that hat-trick, his first in the Premier League. I think, if anything, City will, you know, if they win, if they win against Arsenal, I think it's curtains for the league, really. 
Yeah, I think they they've cleaned it. You know, I think it was only a matter of time. You know, before they kind of did actually start forging a gap. Um, I couldn't see really anyone, even when United were there and about. I couldn't see United keeping up anyway. Regardless, I always had the issues with there defensively. Um, that that was never going to get uh, resolved. These players at back at defence were never going to turn into you know world class players. Um, the errors were still going to be made. Stuff that Man City don't make. Um, it was only a matter of time, and obviously now they've just ran away with it, cleaned it. I think it's a bit like Liverpool, um, how Liverpool were doing last season. Obviously, Liverpool started off from day literally first game. Man City have slowly, gradually picked up to this. Um, I think the amazing thing is how he's just rotating players in and out. Um, you know, making sure that players are fit. And the key key thing is here is um, I think everyone's forgotten about Kevin De Bruyne. You know, they're playing amazing without Kevin De Bruyne. Normally, a Man City team uh, when they start playing shit is always because Kevin De Bruyne's not there. You know, no one's even talking about Kevin De Bruyne. So everyone's forgotten about him. You know, and he's still yet to come back into this team. So he's going to be another gear that he takes on through, you know. And um, obviously, uh, Gundogan's got injured. So Kerry um, KDB coming in will be a massive boost, especially in terms of goals, assists. And I think they'll just run it through. And I think key thing here is... Um, just how they've kind of transitioned away from the reliance on KDB um, and all the other players like your Phil Foden, Ronaldo Silva, Gundogan, um, Sterling, you know, Mahrez is playing. I think they've all kind of chipped in their part in terms of the goals and assists um, and actually taking Man City to the finishing line in a lot of the games. Um, so I think that's the kind of amazing thing here about this team. Um, but yeah, I think the Arsenal game will be good because I believe, obviously, Arteta did beat him on the FA Cup. I think Man City won the earlier game in the season, but I don't think Arsenal in good form. Arsenal in really good form at the moment. Um, you know, they're playing playing well. So I think that'll be, that'll be a good game. I think Arsenal will want to lose. I think Man City won't want to lose. You could see Man City just taking a draw because they don't, they don't need to well out. I think they'll be happy with the draw. Uh, I think that's one element that I've seen or one thing that I've seen Pep bring to his management, you know, where it's not all or nothing now. You know, he is happy to take draws. And I think ultimately, um, if, if you lose, you know, you don't want to be on a downward spiral of morale. You know, media starts pouncing on certain players, starts pouncing on him, starts pouncing on him as a club. Um, you just don't want that. So, I think maybe he would be happy with you know, given his current circumstances. He's got a game today, so let's see. Yeah, I mean, Man City have gone on a, a 16-game winning streak in all competitions, so I, I doubt that they'll be looking for anything else other than a win, you know, how Pep's like. But I think, again, despite Arsenal winning uh, comfortably against Leeds, uh, in their last Premier League game, I think they haven't really been in the best of form. You know, they lost against Wolves and they lost against Villa the game before that. So I think the win against Leeds came at the right time for them to, you know, get them in a good good confidence and uh, vein of form um, for the game against City. But I don't see anything other than a Man City win. You know, you look at Ruben Diaz, absolute colossus uh, I've said a n- number of times he's one of the most underrated defenders in the world 
Um, look at John Stones, who looks like a completely different player alongside Diaz, keeping Laporte out the team. And then you've got the two fullbacks again, uh, Zinchenko coming the side and doing a proper job. Um, and Cancelo, I mean, his form speaks for itself as well. And also a quick shout out to Edison, who's got more assists than Thiago this season. Uh, shout out to the United fans who were rubbing that in my face. But yeah, City look quite formidable uh, given their recent form. And I don't see don't see them losing against Arsenal, if I'm honest. I think they're probably steamroller, uh, steamroller them. Foden, uh, Gundogan have been in really good form. And you look at KDB added to that, that equation, you know. It's just, it's, it's going to be a trouble for Arsenal, uh, in my opinion. Um, so they're going to be looking for the likes of Aubameyang and Saka to really kind of show up and uh, give City something to think about, really. So just to wrap up, what are your predictions for tonight's Champions League fixtures? You know, we've got Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund and Porto versus Juventus. Who do you think is going to win the first leg? Well, um, Juventus are losing 1-0 already. So uh, I still put Juventus to, to go through on that, even though they are losing. Well, again, this comes back to the point I was looking at earlier, how shit this Juventus team is. I guarantee you not, uh, if they do win, it's going to be Mr. Cristiano Ronaldo, who's like 35, 36 years old. 36 probably, his birthday like not long ago. But, um, you know, he's going to carry that team. There ain't no one else who's going to pull out the goals. Trust me, that team is absolutely shit as well. Mm. Um, and the other one is Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund. That's going to be a tough one because Borussia Dortmund, Absolute shit form at the moment. They've got like some interim coach that's come in to manage the team. They have got uh, Marco, Marco Rose, the Borussia Modern Gladbach manager coming in at the end of the season. That will be massive for them. But they're really hit and miss. And I think uh, a proper manager is needed there ASAP. So I think Sevilla could potentially do them here because Sevilla are in really hot form. Um, amazing defence. I think the key thing that will be there, if I was United, I'll be doing a scouting job there. You know, Harlan, Sancho, Royce versus Jules, Jules Koundé. Um, obviously, he's the hot hot target at the moment for Man United, seeing how he performs against this emphatic um, attack of Dortmund. Um, I think it'll be a big test to see how he performs. So, you know, and he's he's been on amazing form. So I think that'll be a good game to watch. But I think I'm going to go with Sevilla on that one just because of Dortmund's form and because they don't really have a proper manager they've got interim yeah so I'm also going to go for Juve win I just think Ronaldo the Ronaldo factor is definitely going to play a part um, and for the Sevilla versus Borussia Dortmund game uh, you know you, you've just mentioned the Kunde uh, versus Haaland and Sancho but you've got Kunde and Diego Carlos, two solid, solid centre-backs um, who I think will probably be on the move at the end of the season. Uh, so, yeah, I, I'm not going to go for Sevilla. I'm going to go for um, Dortmund just because Haaland, he's, he's a difference maker, really. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think it's going to be a, quite an interesting one. It's nil-nil so far. But I think... I think Dortmund will just just nick it. I think. 
so that concludes today's episode of the pod thank you for joining us and we hope to see you soon and stay safe Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. Please share it with your friends and family and don't forget to leave a review on the various podcast platforms. We'll see you next time.